You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Lord, we are overwhelmed when we see what happens to one that you have restored. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for forgiveness that comes from heaven to earth that frees us from all the condemnation, the self-condemnation that we have, that the enemy constantly parades in front of us and causes us to think that we're unworthy, that we are disqualified, that we have no part in the wonderful, wonderful proclamation of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for this example from Peter's life, fully restored, filled with your spirit, moved by your love, standing up and speaking. Lord, we thank you for this recorded message. Now, Holy Spirit, would you apply it to our hearts and to our lives, personally and corporately, for the glory of Jesus in the earth. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Peter's restored. Hallelujah. Is that good? I, I love it. And when he's restored, he's no longer a, a, a one-man show. Have you noticed this? It, it's kind of it's subtle here. But it says that Peter stood with the eleven. He understood something of his brother's significance. Before he was boasting, I love you more than all. And I'll, I'll go to my death out of my devotion and love for you. And... <laughs> in opposition to them. And so Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And Peter says, "Uh, yeah, okay, yes. Now, with all the boldness, he stands up with his brothers. And he speaks just an incredibly bold word. I love it. He says, first of all, we're not drunk. As you suppose, we may appear drunk, Have you ever seen anybody with the presence of God all over them? Oh my stars, they look a little tipsy, you know? And uh, it's it's, it's amazing what happens when we get overwhelmed and overshadowed by the presence of God's love. Just amazing. He says, no, they're not drunk. This is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, the prophet Joel. And this is what he said, I will pour out my spirit on everybody. Everybody in the Greek means everybody, okay? Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. I like that. No doubt. Your young men, don't say it. I'm young. We'll see visions. Your old men will experience dreams from God. Hmm. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Amen for that. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above. He will reveal mighty miracles on the earth below. Come on now. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the ticket. Heaven on earth. 
What is happening at the day of Pentecost is that the Spirit is being poured out just as been prophesied in the Old Testament. And we see that it doesn't matter how old you are. The age factor is, it's not a factor at all, it's moot. You've got children, sons and daughters who are prophesying. There's something amazing when you see a child prophesy and they speak to you something that you know that the Lord gave to them and, and it just blesses your heart. It's, it's for the ones who are free and the ones who are in slavery. It's, it's for both the slave and the free man. It doesn't matter what your economic status is, whether you have a lot or you don't have anything, whether you belong to another or your own, your own person, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit comes upon everyone. And last but not least, it doesn't matter what your gender is, male or female doesn't make a bit of difference to him. The Spirit is poured out on all flesh, on all human beings. I love that. <clears throat> then we see that the Holy Spirit will come upon all his servants, those who have a heart to serve the Lord. And as you, as you worship the Lord and as you serve him in your worship, you find that there comes that power and anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life and you'll prophesy. Who would like to prophesy? Anybody like to prophesy? Paul says that we would all prophesy. Ah, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I love that. There's gonna be signs and wonders. Oh in the heavens and on the earth. We're bringing heaven to earth and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not one person who calls out to Christ will be denied access. So I love this. He goes on, listen to the facts. Here's the facts. Jesus, the victorious. Okay. He's preaching after Jesus's incarnation his life among us, full of grace and truth, all the miracles, all the teachings, all the deliverances, everything that he did, walking on water, healing lepers, uh, open blind eyes, causing the deaf to hear, lame legs walking. After all of that, he died and was raised on the third day and was with them for 40 days and then was ascended to the right hand of the Father. And then he releases the Holy Spirit 10 days later. Wow. This Jesus, he is the victorious one. He reigns in victory. He has conquered death. He has conquered disease. He's conquered the grave. There ain't no grave that's going to hold your body down. I feel like today must be country day at Vineyard Community Church at Mount Comfort. And uh, Jesus was doing a little hoedown or whatever Linda said. Yeah. Okay. So you see that he says, fact number two, Jesus was on a divine mission. He, his authority was clearly proven by the powerful miracles that he did and the signs and wonders that followed him. Mm. Third, listen to the facts. His destiny was preordained. It was prearranged. 
Hmm. It was preordained that he would be handed over to you to be crucified. It was preordained that death in all its strangling effects could not destroy him and that he would be raised on the third day. It was prearranged that it's impossible for death to hold him prisoner. There wasn't any way the grave was going to hold him. And then he asked, can't you see it? Can't you see it? Here's the facts. Can you see it? Can you see it? Fact number one, God has resurrected Jesus. And all those disciples are saying, and we've seen him. He's alive. We've seen Jesus. Number two, can't you see it? God exalted him to his right hand upon the throne of highest honor. I love that expression. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, the throne of highest honor. Three, the Father gave him authority to send the promised Holy Spirit. He has the authority to send the Holy Spirit. He has conquered death. He is the triumphant one. He is the victorious one. And he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so in his authority, he releases to the earth the Holy Spirit. Wow. And that's what you're seeing today. They're not drunk. You're seeing what happens when somebody gets so filled, so overwhelmed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what it looks like. They can do things that they couldn't do before the Spirit came upon them. Those guys couldn't speak all those different languages before the Holy Spirit came upon them. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they could speak languages that they'd never learned. They may have heard occasionally. Have you ever heard anybody in the grocery store speaking Spanish? Uh Uh-huh. Can you speak Spanish? Ay, 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 ay. But they spoke and they heard the praises of God in their own language. Wow. That's what you're seeing. The fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. The Holy Spirit has been released upon the earth. That's what you're seeing. That's what you're hearing. Then a little shift. I think everybody's probably cheering. Yes. Prophecy's being fulfilled. Yes. The Holy Spirit's being poured out. Yes. We can prophesy. Yes. We're going to do wonderful things. And then he says, now everyone in Israel can know for certain Jesus whom you crucified. Ouch. He is the one God has made both Lord and Messiah. Oh, yeah. mm. You got to take this in. Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. And in our culture of toleration, even, even false religions, all the religions of the world are just about will we'll look at Jesus and they don't care really what you think about him. You can think that he's a wonderful moral teacher. You can think he was a prophet. You can think that he was uh, a son of God. You, you can think all sorts of things that you want about Jesus of Nazareth. What they don't want you to think about is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ. Christ, the Greek for Messiah, the anointed one. They don't want you to realize that Jesus, the anointed one, because that's where the power came. The power came when the spirit of the Lord came upon him at his baptism. And as he went into the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one, and as he came through that, Luke says in chapter four that he came in the power of the spirit. There was a spirit filling upon Jesus as a human being, as the son of man, and as the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him, then you see him doing the miracles. Then you see him performing just the supernatural miraculous. The evil one knows he doesn't care what your theology is, long as you don't attribute the power of the Holy Spirit in the anointed Christ. Because that's, that's the key. That's the key for every one of us. We can sing Jesus songs all we want, but it's when we come to realize that he is the Christ. He is an example for us, but he's also an example of us. And the example that Jesus shows us is that as, as we go into baptism, as we come up, the Holy Spirit wants to come upon us. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when the supernatural begins to take place. That's why the enemy doesn't really care about what you believe in your doctrine near as much as what you practice in your walk. When you come under the anointing, then all of hell trembles. Then we destroy the works of the devil. Then we are able to release healing power and grace. Then we're able to cast out the demonic. Then's when the, the blind eyes open and the deaf ears hear. Then's when the hard heart is transformed and becomes soft. Ah. This is an interesting, an interesting dynamic because all the religions don't care what you do with Jesus as long as he's not the Christ. When he becomes the Christ, when he becomes the Messiah, when he becomes the one who is anointed, then you are factoring in the dynamic of the Spirit of God into his life. And that's when we as believers become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. It's when the Spirit of God gets factored into our lives. I just received a text message. Okay. I love this. I love this because it's so important. This week, uh, Siraj was, was sharing with a group of us leaders that are praying for revival in, in the city and the greater Indianapolis area. And as he was sharing, he was sharing some of his own personal experience. And it's when the anointing came upon him and it's not just anointing that is a power experience, it's anointing that caused him to be filled with the love of God. The, live, the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as that love comes upon him, he said it was amazing. He had been pretty proficient in praying for people and seeing some, some results take place. And uh, you know, he, was, he, he told about the time he went to San Francisco 
and he decided he'd go do, do some kingdom stuff in San Francisco. And he went out and he was on the, on the streets and he was praying for people and nothing was happening. He's praying for this person, nothing happened. Prayed for that person, nothing happened. And he, he's, he's used to seeing the Lord show up. So he's saying, Lord, what's wrong? Why isn't, why isn't it working here in San Francisco? And he said, did I call you to go do stuff in San Francisco? And he said, well, I assume so. He says, you're not seeing anything because you do not love this city the way I love this city. And as he repented and invited the Lord to fill his heart with love for the city of San Francisco, everyone he prayed for got healed the rest of the day. Awesome. Right on. He told us of, of a time when he, when he walked through and he came across somebody and he felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know, I want you to pray for them. And he, uh, and he, 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 he just went on. Anybody ever do that? You feel like there's a little tug and nudge of the Spirit saying, I want you to engage that person. We don't know what, why. You know, but the thing of it is, the way oftentimes prophecy works and prophetic ministry works is that the Lord gives you the first step and you don't get the second step until you take the first step. And as Americans and as chicken Christians, we like to know the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh step before we take the first step. And so the Lord's saying, no, take the first step. And, and, and Serge, went by, Siraj went by, and then he said, oh Lord, I am so sorry, I am so sorry that I didn't have enough faith to trust you and to do what I felt like you were nudging me to do. And he heard the Lord say this, it wasn't that you didn't have enough faith, it was that you didn't have enough love. I don't know about you, but that touches my heart. Because most of the time when I chicken out, I don't see it as a, a lack of love. I see it as a lack of experience. I'm just not well fine-tuned yet to really engage people. I'm a little awkward. I don't know what to do. No, it's about love. It's always about love went on to talk about, he's saying, when you are in love, do you realize that when you're really in love, that there are dynamics that go on in your brain? And in the amygdala of the brain, the, the, the part of your brain that makes you play it safe, makes sure that you're protected, that you, you don't take risks that are foolish and all that kind of stuff. When you are in love, it goes offline. All fear evaporates when you're in love. When I was in love with Debbie, in the beginning when I, when I first fell in love with Debbie, hold on, I'm gonna get myself in more trouble yet. Just, just give me enough rope. I wasn't afraid of Ada Margaret whatsoever. I was pursuing her. 
And it was like, when you're in love, you don't think the way you normally think. You don't think rationally. <laughs> you don't think of, of what, what's going to happen, what's the consequences. You're just in love. And when we get the love of God filling us like that, how do you do that? Lord, I want more of your love. I want more of your love. I want more of your love. You've got to get to know the Holy Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit, first of all, is love. And so as you get to know the Holy Spirit, you find that the Father's love in Romans 5 is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite verses. That God is pouring out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. We have been given the Holy Spirit appropriating our relationship with the Holy Spirit, developing an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit is something that we have to be intentional about. Why? Because the kingdom of darkness knows that it's the anointing that has the power and the authority to function in his realm upon the earth. The kingdom wins every time it comes up against the kingdom of darkness. If we are operating under the unction, under the love, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it is no contest. It is not fair. We have access to supernatural resources. So what does he do? The kingdom of darkness is always working on a way to get you out of the spirit and into your fear. You can't be in fear and be in love. When you are in love, the fear gets <laughs> deleted. Wow. So a lot of times when I feel like I'm afraid, I just say, oh Lord, I think you wanna give me an upgrade of love right here in this area because right now I'm a little anxious. I'm afraid how I'm gonna look. I don't know if they like bald people. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, and that's what the enemy preys upon to get us to shrink back out of love and go in and turn off life in the spirit and move life back into the natural to where we're, we're thinking and we're trying to make the best choice based on the data that we have and make life choices and decisions based on the information that's being presented to us instead of out of love. And as soon as you do that, here's, here's what I've observed, okay? Testimony time. I come home from a day of work, counseling, all this kind of stuff, been pouring out, the Lord's been using me, I just feel really good about myself. I go home, I sit down in front of the television, and I'm watching a ball game. And the ball game's boring. Oh boy. It's like, oh my stars, how far behind can the Cubs get? <sighs> Let's turn the channel. You know, turn the channel. Now it's a movie. Now it's a movie, and it's a, it's a movie that's kind of okay. It's, it's not a bad movie, but it's just... But then, yeah, that's not good enough. And all of a sudden, I know that I've gone from here, a day filled in his presence, to just watching sports, which is every man's prerogative, <laughs> or home, home, home HGTV for you females and the cooking network and some of those kind of things. And, and, and so you go there and all of a sudden you, you, 
And before you know it, you've, you've diluted and you've gone back and you're no, no longer functioning in, in a real sense of anointing and in the place. And I find that when I go home and I don't turn it on, the anointing wants to draw me to something deeper. That just because work is over doesn't mean that relationship with God is over. Doesn't mean that fellowship with the Holy Spirit is over. You know, now there's nothing wrong with watching a ball game and watching HGTV, don't mishear me, because you know, as we take pictures of uh, all our quiet places, our, our, my Friday quiet place is beautiful. I share it with Rick B. Um, it's the golf course, it's amazing. Jesus loves walking down the fairways with me. He even enjoys it when I'm in the fairway instead of the rough, but <clears throat> he, he's with me through the rough places too. So all that to say, the anointing is something that we don't have to check out of. I had a prophetic brother who, 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 was, who was talking with me and he says, you know, one of the prices that you pay when you check out is that you're not aware of what God's doing. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I've served the Lord. Now this is my downtime. I'm an introvert. I need to get my batters recharged. And you may be, and you may need to do that, but don't do it without him. He, he loves introvert time. He loves time alone with you. Uh, so don't, don't get confused with this, but come into him and just be refreshed in his presence. There's a price to pay to keep the anointing running all the time. There is a price. You, you'll feel people's pain. You'll intuit stuff all the time. If you leave, if you leave it on, you'll, you'll pick up on where people are and the Holy Spirit and what he's doing and, and how his heart is, is toward another person. And, and some of us in our humanity, we think, well, that's just too much for me. I can't, I can't handle it. Listen, I think it's okay. You can leave it on just ask the Holy Spirit to help you steward the anointing. How do I steward the Holy Spirit's reality in my life? How do I steward the anointing? As Soon as you find yourself that you've clicked off and you've gone into another mode, you've gone into this as work mode or this is that mode, just realize that you don't have to. You really don't have to. And if you stay in the Holy Spirit, it won't cause you to have a nervous breakdown. You won't explode with too much anointing. Anybody ever had too much of the anointing on them? It might cause you to fall down, but you get a good rest there. Uh, don't worry about it. it. It's got its own shut off. Uh, you don't have to shut it off. It, it will make sure you enter into some rest. Okay, where did I leave off? I think I'm over here. Good. So when they heard this, they were crushed. They had crucified the Lord of glory. They had crucified the one who was the true Messiah, the anointed one. They were crushed. They realized what they had done to Jesus. They were deeply moved and they say to Peter and to the apostles, what do we need to do to become brothers? Most translations just say, what do we need to do? In light of this, what should we do? What do we do? Huh. Brian Simmons in The Passion believes that what they're actually crying is, how do we become 
who we're supposed to be. Sons of God, brothers with you guys. So Peter replies. He says, repent and return to God. Repent is a, oftentimes is perceived as a negative thing. There, it's, it's got an aspect where we need to turn away from some things. And that's usually the context that we think of it as. But repent is a very positive thing. It's turning to something. And when we repent from what we've been doing and we repent unto the Lord, then we're turning towards him. We're turning toward him. I find that repent is a, is a pretty good word and return to God. Secondly, each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. I find it interesting in light of, of what the Holy Spirit is, is revealing to me about Jesus and the anointing and the fullness of the Spirit, how no one really cares if you're just talking about Jesus in a, in a human way or in a moral way or any, but when you talk about him as anointed, as, you, as the Christ, that's always gonna ruffle feathers. Baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one to have your sins removed. And that's why what we've been doing, and you've, you've observed this, that when we have a baptism, after we come out of the baptismal, we come over here to the kneeling bench and we gather around, we anoint with oil because we want the anointing upon the one who has just identified themselves with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that will take a Christian down any faster than they come into a relationship with Jesus and they don't know about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it in my whole evangelical life. You know, somebody gets saved, they love Jesus, they wanna serve, they come in, they teach Sunday school, we give them a class, they teach Sunday school, and pretty soon, you know, there's a couple characters in the Sunday school class that would test the limits of any spirit-filled believer besides a newborn baby in Jesus. And they try to serve and they try to serve and they get exhausted, they feel frustrated, they feel like, well, it must not have worked. You know, my salvation isn't complete, whatever. And, and they get deceived and the enemy is constantly harassing and tormenting and causing them to feel disqualified or unacceptable. And so they, they, they start to back off and they start getting substitute teachers. And pretty soon they say, after this quarter, I don't wanna teach anymore. And they back off and they back off and they back off. That's just in the traditional church model. You can put it in any church model, but what happens is after someone has come to Christ and they know the joy of their sins being forgiven and they begin to start to pray to the Father, Son, and, and they're enjoying some, some relationship there. It's not until they are filled with the Spirit that they're able to live in the hostile environment of this world. It's hostile toward Christianity. There are many enemies out there that's trying to destroy the believer. That's, right. mm. that's why the anointing, that's why the Holy Spirit, that's why Pentecost, that's why this is absolutely not an option. It's a necessity for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit 
and the word in Ephesians 5.18 is to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Why, what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Love, brain turns off, fear gets put in its rightful place, and you can go from a shy introvert to a bold as a lion lover of the Most High God. Not a bull in a china shop, but a bold lover of the Lord God. Oh, yes. And you will speak when you would normally not speak. You will move to action when you would normally think, here my Lord, send somebody else. No, you'll be right there with Isaiah. Lord, here am I, send me. Amen. What is it that you wanna say? What is it that you wanna to say to that person? I want to be yours. <sighs> Each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, have your sins removed. Forgiveness is wonderful. Then take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's something that must be received. It's something that you have to intentionally desire and open yourself to and receive. That's why the evil one attacks Christianity and all the misconceptions about the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Holy Spirit and manifestations of the Holy Spirit and all the stuff that kind of gets outside our comfort level, our comfort zone. And he, he, he throws up an obstacle and I, I am amazed at how many believers never get beyond the obstacle that he raises because they've never entered into relationship with the Holy Spirit. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for the elite, the brave, the few, the chosen, the Marines. No, it's for you. It's for your families. It's for those yet to be born. It's for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Who does the Lord call to himself? He calls everyone, all his created ones, he calls out to. <laughs> wow. So Peter went on preaching, warned them with these words, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world, because the culture will pervert. And that's how the enemy will take us from red hot newborn believers in Christ and will very gradually let us delude ourselves until we're just lukewarm. Mm. That day, 3,000 believed. 3,000 new converts, 3,000 born again believers, 3,000 brothers and sisters. Mm. All were baptized. 3,000 baptisms, and they were added to the church. 3,000 added to the church. Hmm. A lot of translations for belief said they received his word. They received the word that was, that was proclaimed. I wanna encourage you to receive his word today. Inasmuch as you've heard his word within my word, I invite you to receive that word. The key today is to understand that we have an opportunity to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
to walk the anointed life that Christ came and died and was raised and rose and ascended and released the Holy Spirit for us to know. So if you would just kind of put out your hands in front of you, take a posture of receptivity. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you afresh today. For those that have never received you, I pray, Lord, that you would release a grace to believe in your mercy and your goodness and that you never give a, a bad gift. Uh, your children, when they ask for bread, you don't give them a, a stone. And when they ask for fish, you don't give them a snake or a scorpion. Lord, you know how to give good gifts to us. How much more the Holy Spirit do you want to give to us today? And we just say, Lord, wherever we've limited and restricted our understanding in our hearts to receive the fullness of the Spirit, I just pray, Lord, that you would forgive us and that you would release a grace for full openness to the receptivity of the Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us with Father's love. Mm -hmm. Fill us oh, with the fullness of yourself. Cause us to see as you see. Cause us to hear the things that you're saying. Cause us to have a heart that would be filled with your heart. Mm. Do for us what we can't do for ourselves but we do receive everything that you want to give. And so today, Holy Spirit, would you release the fullness of grace among us? Release your authority, your power, your goodness, your grace, your gifts, and all the anointings that you have for each one. May we stop seeing ourselves as unanointed and cause us to walk in the fullness of anointing and teach us how to steward the anointing so that we will always, always be available for your bidding, mm. your purposes, Lord. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.